you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Do you think it's possible, he says. Well, in today's episode, we're going to hear from some people who haven't figured it out yet. They aren't loving their work. Well, stick around. We're going to talk about how to work, work through that, how to get to the point where, yes, you can enjoy your work. Yes, you really can love your work. And it's not a process where you have to wait until you're you know, old and gray. It's not something you get to slowly. It's something you can figure out really quickly. We're going to be talking about that and a whole lot more. You know, here we are. Golly, the end of May already. The year is whistling by. Some people are concerned about 13 being in the year number this year. But hey, it's it, whatever you think, it's going to be passed quickly. And we're going to be in another year, 2014. We're already looking at that. We ought to already, already be planning what we're going to do. I know we're scheduling events for next year. My team is pushing me to confirm dates for the events we're going to have here next year because people are planning already as you should be for the things that you want to accomplish well we got a lot to cover today and this show is brought to you by audible we're going to ask you i'm going to be telling you specifically here in a little bit some things to go do some things you can get to launch or encourage and accelerate your path to success one of those is going to be to visit audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days you can get a free audio book there and we'll be telling you more about that in just a minute got a lot of questions to cover i'm going to use as a theme today the fastest way to change yourself is to well and i'll tell you what that comes from a quotation that comes from here just after i tell you some of the questions we're going to be looking at Someone says, Dan, I'm 33 years old and have nothing to show for it. Nine years after college, I have no job, no career, just a couple useless degrees. Someone wants to know, is this my passion or am I just temporarily enthusiastic? I love that question. We'll be looking at what's the difference between passion and enthusiasm. Dan, I feel virtually hopeless when I think about my current job situation. I feel like I'm wearing a professional straitjacket. Get that, get that image in your mind. Dan, I know you talk about flipping cars and I'm very interested in that. Can I monetize my podcast? Why is my Indiegogo campaign stalled? Can I be a life coach at age 24? We got a lot to cover. We're going to blast right into some of those things. Here's where my Initial theme, I told you where that, that comes from, comes from a quotation I heard this week from Reed Hoffman, who's founder of LinkedIn. As a matter of fact, I'll put in the podcast notes a link to a slide presentation. It's like a real fast PowerPoint that you go through. You just flip through it at your own speed. And he's got some amazing points in there that cover the three secrets of highly successful graduates. Talks about some of the challenges that college graduates have in today's workplace but also some of the opportunities. And one of the things that he said, I've said it before in different ways, but he says the fastest way to change yourself is to hang out with the people who are already the way you want to be. Isn't that cool? You can do that. God, I'm getting ready tomorrow morning to uh, 
go to Colorado. I know I'll be going through a couple of airports, got a layover in Dallas. I'll get to a spot. People who are the kind of people I want to be and a chance to, you know, have brief encounters with those people. Well, let's start off. We always start off with some positive things. Got a couple of those for you here. I want to play. This comes from Lynn Watts. I'll let her tell her story here. This comes from Lynn Watts. Hello, Dan. It's Lynn Watts from acalledwoman.com with a success message and an even bigger thank you. Four years ago, when I first emailed you a question for your podcast about whether or not I should publish a children's book, I never dreamed where your encouragement and advice would lead me. Today, I'm about to publish my fifth book and just wrapped up a really successful women's conference. You can check out some terrific pictures uh, on acalledwoman.com. My passion is helping women find their calling and take steps to make their dreams a reality. I look forward to seeing you in just two weeks at the Coaching with Excellence training as I continue on my path of following my calling. And again, I want to thank you so much for your inspiration. Uh, It has made such a difference in my life. See you soon. Well, thank you, Lynn, for that. I appreciate the testimonial. Delighted about your success. I've watched in 48days.net, that community where you lead the group, a called woman, all the things that you're doing there and just thrilled that you've taken action, taken a few pieces of in or knowledge and just turned it into successful action. I compliment you on that. And yeah, I'll be delighted to see you here at the Coaching with Excellence event that we got coming up a little later on this month. Now I got another story here. This comes from John Dumas. You've heard me talk about John. He has the podcast Entrepreneur on Fire. And I'm, I asked him if I could share a little bit about that. I keep in touch with John and know some things that are happening there. And I asked him how much I could share about his story. So he just wrote me a piece that I want to share with you just as an encouragement and another success story. Dan, you asked me to share a little bit about my move from Maine to San Diego with your amazing 48 Days community, of which I'm super proud to be a part of. It all started with my aha moment Now listen to this. This all happened so quickly here. Back in June of 2012, John says, I was commuting to work one morning, listening to podcasts, when all of a sudden I ran out of content. I was terrified at the thought of facing rush hour that evening without the comfort of my favorite podcast host delivering inspiring content. Then it hit me. There was no one producing a daily podcast that interviewed today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs daily. And I knew there were others out there like me who wanted, no needed this much content to fill our drives, runs, and dog walking hours. That was the moment Entrepreneur on Fire was born. I went to Blog World that same month, June of 2012, listened to incredible entrepreneurs share their story. I was able to get many to commit to my show and so began my Summer of Fire where I interviewed 40 incredible entrepreneurs and launched September 20th, 2012. Now again, get here I'm just inserting here get get how short a period of time from John getting an idea taking action on it launches its podcast to where he is today he continues entrepreneur on fire immediately took off one of my many early I've made it moments was being asked to speak about entrepreneur on fire and podcasting in general at new media expo by blog world this past January in Las Vegas that was a mere six months after my first ever social media conference and an even more mere 
three months after launch of my own podcast. Now, Entrepreneur on Fire is generating over 200,000 unique downloads every month in over 145 countries, has six full-time sponsors generating over $12,000 every month in income from sponsorships alone, which has allowed me the ability to become location independent and move across the country to San Diego on a grand adventure. I'm not sure what the future of Entrepreneur on Fire will bring, but the hard work, dedication, and mantra of providing value first and foremost has brought me this far, and I don't see myself messing with this recipe anytime soon. All right. Is that cool or what? I mean, I just get goosebumps when I read these stories about people who just took specific action and boom. I mean, it's not like, gee, it took 20 years. Now, I'm a big believer in the 10,000-hour rule. We talk about Malcolm Gladwell, you know, it, where he talks about most success that we see, people have invested 10,000 hours. Now, I'm sure that John invested a lot of hours in his personal preparation to be a candidate to do what he has done with excellence with his podcast, Entrepreneur on Fire. But the actual doing of it has taken place so quickly and put him on the map just that quickly, which I think is just pretty amazing. Well, let's go on. I, I've listened to John's latest podcast this morning on the treadmill where he interviewed a lady and I've got some things I want to share from her probably on an upcoming podcast. Uh, she was, well, a couple things real quick. She was, I forget her name. She was vice president of product development with Sprint though. But one of the things she said was that she always gets her best ideas when she's not plugged into technology at all. So it's not when she's got earphones on or when she's sitting in front of a computer or when she's reading her Twitter feed. It's when she's totally away doing something else, you know, taking a walk in the woods. That's when she gets her best ideas. Another tip she gave was meet at least five new people every week. I thought, well, that's pretty cool. I'm not really much of a social guy. You know, I don't hang out in crowds and I love solitude, but I do that. I do make it a point to engage with people. Now, this doesn't have to be, you know, Donald Trump or Oprah. I mean, I'm just talking about somebody who's an interesting waiter. The other day I was, uh, Joanna and I were eating lunch and our waiter came up and I said, hey, how, you, how are you? And he said, jubilant. And I thought, how cool is that? I mean, you don't hear that word a whole lot, jubilant. And so I asked him. Well, he's a really interesting guy. I mean, you can meet interesting people like that in all walks of life. I'm sure in an airplane ride that I'll be taking tomorrow, I'll meet you know, five people before we hit the ground again. So you can do the same. Well, Tom from Pennsylvania, East Powell Field. Wow, sounds depressing. Well, I guess not. Tom says, Dan, perhaps you read this piece by Norm Broski in Inc. Magazine where he talks about an epiphany he had at a Rolling Stones concert regarding passion versus enthusiasm. It seems to me that enthusiasm can be fleeting. It comes and goes, but isn't passion enduring in the midst of moving forward in our lives? How do we know when we are truly following our passion versus chasing an enthusiasm? Thanks for all you do, Tom. Well, Tom, that's a, yeah, it's an interesting juxtaposition that you mentioned there in reference to Norm's article. And yeah, I did read that article. I went back and referenced it again with your note here, but Norm and his wife went to see a Rolling Stones concert, a 50th anniversary concert of the Rolling Stones. That, that's got to be a hoot in New York city. And he 
thought about it at the time. And Mick Jagger, who was at that point 69 years old, you know, bouncing around the stage like he did, you know, 50 years ago. It's just amazing what he still does. And Norm thought, now, why does he do that? I mean, he certainly doesn't need the money. Why does he do that? And this was the epiphany that he had. And he started laughing and his wife says, you know, gee, what's going on? And he said, I just realized, you know, why I keep working. What was the idea that passion causes somebody to do what Mick Jagger does at 69 years old? He's not driven by you know, needing to get another platinum record or make a little more money. It's the passion of what he's doing. And I think that is something that we can recognize. You know, passion does go beyond enthusiasm. And in that sense, I think the way that Norm Brodsky uh, counterposed those two terms is accurate. You can be enthusiastic about, you know, somebody winning a ball game. You watch the NBA finals or whatever, and you can get enthusiastic about that. But it may not be a passion. Jared, my son, you know, with whom I wrote the book, Wisdom Meets Passion. Incidentally, I'm, I'm getting a lot of feedback from people who are touched by the person that Jared is and also by the relationship that he and I have. And I'm, I'm complimented by that and eager to, to share that with anybody who would like to discuss that further, how to have a relationship with a child who's chosen a different lifestyle and yet recognizing that at the very heart you're, you're bonded and identical in beliefs and values. And that's certainly true with Jared and me. But anyway, Jared has a passion for helping the underdog. Now that, that is a passion. I mean, we've seen that since he was a little kid. He always stuck up for the underdog. He's drawn to what the Bible would call the least of these people who have, who are marginalized in every way possible. Those are the ones Jared goes after. He wants to help them. He thinks they deserve a chance. They deserve an opportunity. Now that passion transcends any business idea, trend, fad, anything like that. I mean, he may be enthusiastic about, you know, butter pecan ice cream or about a particular brand of coffee at a, a given time, but those can be enthusiasms that come and go, but that passion is something that is a constant, constant theme in his life. I mean, I want to help people find their passion that translates into knowing their calling, their purpose, their mission, then into daily meaningful work. I mean, that's, that's a theme that runs through everything that I do. So if I meet somebody at the airport, I'm likely to talk about that. You know, what are you doing to make the world a better place? What are you doing to live out your passion? I mean, those are the kind of things that I like to engage people in conversation. And that goes way beyond, you know, trying to sell another book or a workshop or coaching. I mean, it, it goes beyond that. Now, obviously I've integrated those things into what I do professionally and things that I do that generate income. But I'm going to talk about those things. If I'm talking to eight year olds in a school classroom, I mean, those are still going to be the kind of things that I'm interested in that I want to get them to think about, think about differently. So yeah, passion continues. Enthusiasm can come and go. Well, Brian from Cincinnati says, I feel virtually hopeless when I think about my current job situation. Could use some advice. I've worked in accounting for four years now and have struggled with it since day one. And as difficult as it is for me to admit, I suspect my employer is beginning to question how I fit in this position too. I feel I need to make a change for my general well-being, but I'm scared to death. I fear my lack of experience in other fields will not allow me to earn what I'm currently making if I were to leave. And with the goal of paying off my wife's and my school debt in two years, which currently is equivalent to what many would call a mortgage, 
I feel like I'm wearing a professional straight jacket. What would you do in my situation? Well, Brian, I can tell you what I would do. Now, let me comment a little bit. You say that you feel like you're wearing a straight jacket. I mean, that's a pretty strong visual metaphor. Straight jacket. I mean, I, geez, I worked in a psychiatric hospital right out of graduating from the Ohio State University years ago. And those were back in the days. Yeah, we, we actually had straight jackets for people from time to time to restrain them. But it, it does do that. It restrains you. It's a way of physical restraint where you can't move your arms. You can't move. There's another kind of image that came to mind when you talk about that, and that is that of hobbling a horse. If you take a short chain and then put cuffs around a horse's legs, you obviously keep him from running. He can only go very, very slow. So it keeps that horse from doing what horses are meant to do, you know, run like the wind. And when you describe that you feel like you have a straitjacket on, it's the same effect. I mean, wow. I mean, what would I do in your situation? I'd be gone in 30 days. Absolutely guaranteed. I'd be gone. You cannot be your best in an environment where fear is constant. In that situation where there's fear, you'll do the very least you have to do to maintain your position and nobody wins. I mean, you're miserable. Your employer is not getting your best work. I mean, you have to go back and take a fresh look. No matter what your degrees, don't get, don't get trapped in that. It, it doesn't matter. Assess what are your unique skills and abilities? What are your personality tendencies? What are your values, dreams, and passions? Start to see some patterns emerge from those. Don't assume on the front end that you can't duplicate your current income. Be confident you can duplicate an increase. I mean, if you find something that really engages your passion, something that engages your best skills, where there's not fear and trepidation involved, you'll be amazed at the release. When you get out of that straight jacket and can move your arms, you'll be amazed at what you can accomplish. The ideas that you see and ways that you can generate income. It'll release your best self and money will find you, track you down. So make sure that you expect it. I would absolutely be gone in 30 days. Just you have to get rid of the yes, but don't assume that you're going to move down an income with everything you're describing. It would be ludicrous not to expect a better situation with more pay than what you've got now. Well, hey, let me catch my breath a minute. This is Dan Meller. You're listening to 48 Days Online Radio. Each week we take real questions from you, the listeners, unpack them together so we can all move to higher levels of success. If you got a question, just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link. You'll see an opportunity there to either write or speak. As Lynn did, just you can speak your question. If you prefer, be delighted to include those in an upcoming podcast. Gene, now this is another tough one. We got some tough ones this week. Gene from Exton, Pennsylvania says, I'm 33 years old. I have nothing to show for it. Nine years after college, I have no job, no career, just a useless degree. Well, apparently more than one degree. I studied fashion design, then graphic design. I've had about five jobs in that time, lasting six months each. I had a second layoff. My jobs that I've had, have all been crappy. The people and all of them were hateful and toxic. I'm starting to think the typical workplace isn't for me. 
In graphic design, they won't hire anyone who has less than three years experience. It's a catch-22. All the doors seem shut for me. I still don't know if I have any talent. I'm starting to doubt my self-worth. I've read your books, but nothing has clicked yet. I really can't seem to get a job, not even a crappy job. What do I do? Well, Gene, you know, I don't know how old you... Oh, you do see you. You're 33 years old. Okay, you're 33 years old. I'm going to talk to you like a daddy. Let me just uh, take you under my wing here for a little bit. Let's just be realistic in looking at what you've described. Five jobs that have lasted six months each multiple layoffs. My jobs have all been crappy. The people and all of them were hateful and toxic. Let's just be realistic here. What is the common denominator in everything you describe? What's the common denominator in the last, let's say 10 years of you being in situations that suck people that are hateful and toxic as you describe the common denominator is you. Let's just start with that. See, happiness and contentment are very much an inner game, not just a result of circumstances. If your happiness depends on the circumstances around you, then you're always very vulnerable because if something changes in the circumstances, you're toast. I mean, if your happiness depends on the sun shining and it's a cloudy day, where 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 does that leave you? Well, we, we can't get in that situation. We have to take responsibility for our happiness, our contentment, our peace, our joy. That's something that we're responsible for aside from our circumstances. Now I say this having lived through times when circumstances in my life were not very good. They were crappy, but I had to still choose to have that peace, contentment, optimism about where I was going. Otherwise I would have gotten stuck right there. And I would have anticipated the next situation to have crappy circumstances. So here's the deal. Here's my advice for you, Gene. You need to, this is not a matter of, of companies just rejecting you and there being no opportunities. You need to become a person people want on their team. You need to be, and I hesitate to just throw this out in a two minute response here because I don't want it to sound like just some you know, positive mental attitude, just put your happy hat on, but you need to be a happy, enthusiastic person, someone who smiles readily, someone who compliments other people in their work, someone who asks people about their interest and then listens intently. If you do those things, the quality of your work will improve and other companies will be recruiting you. Now, ultimately, you, know, you say you aren't even sure you can do work that has value. Ultimately, you have to produce work that does have value. But then whether you do that as an employee, a freelancer, or by standing on the street corner doing caricatures, that's not really important. The key is that you're able to produce something that people will pay you for. I'm not sure. You said you've read my books. I'm going to send you a new copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love. Not sure which version you have, but we have. I'll send you the newest one along with a audio CD in there that's titled, Is Your Job Your Calling? You can listen to that. A lot of what I talk about in there is becoming a person of value, 
I mean, becoming a person of value is probably 90% of the process. Having degrees or training is 10%. That's how strongly I feel about this. Now, if you remember a couple weeks ago, I read a note from Terry from Orlando, Florida. Let me go back and just grab that again. Terry from Orlando, Florida says, uh, Dan, I was waiting until I got my music business off the ground to send you a success story. But then I realized I already have a success story. Reading 48 days and no more dreaded Mondays gave me a desperately needed attitude adjustment toward my job and my life in general. I started giving an extra 110% all while focusing on the great aspects of my job instead of focusing on the toxic negativity which had been affecting all areas of my life shortly thereafter. Now this is shortly after he started giving 110% started being the person that I just described shortly thereafter. I unexpectedly received a 10% off season raise. My manager said that I was bringing a lot of value to the project and I deserved a boost. Three months later, I received a stellar performance review with an additional 5% pay increase. Thanks for sharing your words of wisdom to help me turn my life around. Now, one of the books that you hear me mention, probably almost weekly, but certainly applicable in this situation, is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Let me tell you how you can get a free copy. Now, I mentioned that Audible is our sponsor for today's show. Now, Audible, you know how I feel about feeding your brain positive content. I mean, every morning, the reason I look forward to getting up and hitting the treadmill is not because I enjoy sweating and working out as much as it is because that is a rich period of time for me feeding my brain with great content, great podcast and books. My source for books is Audible. Now, the link I want you to use, you can go get a copy of How to Win Friends and Influence People. You can get it free. Go to Audible dot com podcast forward slash 48 days I mean go there to get a free copy of how to win friends and influence people make sure I got that correct audible podcast dot com forward slash 48 days okay I said that wrong a little bit ago it's audible podcast dot com forward slash 48 days go there Get a copy of How to Win Friends and Influence People. Now, Audible offers over 100,000 hours of audio programs from over 270 different content partners, and that includes leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine, newspaper publishers, podcasters, business information providers. I mean, all of that is available there. Go sign up. They got a free 30-day trial. Sign up for their free trial. Get your free book. You're on your way. If you do that, you are committing yourself to giving your brain the positive content that it needs to get you out of the funk that you're describing. You cannot continually feed your mind the positive income in input that you're going to get from Audible without having it affect your daily life, your sense of well-being, your optimism, and that's going to come through and other people seeing the change in you, they're going to think you got a new that you're a new person. They're going to wonder what happened. But hey, just check it out. Audiblepodcast.com forward slash 48 days. 
do that. Well, Fabio from Manchester, Connecticut says, Hey, Dan, I know you talk about flipping cars, and I'm very interested in that. I have a vision of one day opening my own dealership. My question is, how do you get info on the repo auctions? I know in your podcast, you've said you go to them, and I was wondering where I can find some in my area. Thanks for all your help. Fabio, not difficult at all. I mean, if you just search car repo auctions, Hartford, Connecticut, that's where you are. Boom. I mean, I did it. When I read your question, I put in car repo auctions in Nashville, Tennessee, boom, instantly, everything. There's one, as, as a matter of fact, there's one tomorrow, as I'm recording, there's one tomorrow with 150 repo cars. I'm like, wow, I'm going to be out of town. I, I love going to those auctions, but they're open to the public. Now, there are some that are not. I mean, there are some that are dealer only, but you can find that out. And there's certainly plenty of them that are open to the public. I mean, auctions that banks have. I mean, have to be open to the public. So banks may have 10 cars that they've repoed and they're going to auction those. They're usually small crowds there and you can get amazing deals. But I also go to these that handle a lot of bank repos. There's one up on, um, well, up on Dickerson Road here in Nashville that I have gone to a lot. And here's an example. I mean, I got a car there once. It was a BMW, one of the three series. I forget exactly which one it was, but one of the three series, sweet little car papers were in the glove box that six months prior, some gal had paid $7,750 for that car. I bought it at a repo auction for $1,650. I pulled it out and it had a bad U-joint in the drive shaft. All right. So I took it to a place and it was like 150 bucks to get it fixed. So now I'm in the car, what, $1,800. It had sold six months prior for $7,750. Now that particular one was one that, you know, I had a couple of our kids drive for a long, long time. We kept it for a long, long time. That's just one that comes to mind. But I mean, if you understand cars, now when you go to repo auctions, you can't take them on a test drive. I mean, you're going to have to make decisions in 10 seconds when it comes through, so you walk the lot, pick out cars that you're interested in advance and decide in advance what you will pay for them. So you figure all that out. You don't make those decisions when they're there and the auctioneer is looking you in the eye and you make an impulsive decision. No, decide in advance exactly what you'll pay for them. Don't get married to any particular one car. Know your walking away point, but have five or six that you're willing to look at that you would be willing to buy. And in the course of an afternoon, you can get some amazing deals. Now with that, you need to be prepared to pay cash. I mean, you don't go to a repo auction and then say, well, I need to go to my bank and work out a loan. No, you need to be able to write a check or pay cash on the spot. So you need to have that arranged in advance. But yeah, certainly you can find some deals. Now, a lot of people say, well, gee, Dan, you know, I want to do what you talk about doing with cars. Sounds like you can make a lot of money. Yeah. Okay. Um, we know about cars. Well, I've never changed a tire on one, never changed my own oil. I'm like, dude, don't even think about doing this unless you really know cars. Don't do this. I mean, do something that's based on what you already know about. Don't go into an area like this where you're going to get burned. I mean, even I understanding cars and loving cars, you know, do I get a car once in a while with a bad transmission? Sure. But if you get it and you buy it, 
on the kind of margins that I talked about a minute ago, yeah, you can still handle that. I mean, you just have to realize that not everyone is going to be perfect, but over the course of a year, if you're doing that a couple times a month, you ought to be able to do really, really well understanding the repo market. Anyway, great question. Obviously, you get me started talking about cars and I keep going. Well, Nate from Nampa, Idaho says, I've been working on my running coach podcast called The Pocket Running Coach slowly over the last year since August. I'm struggling to nail down how I would like to monetize my podcast. My wife and I are blessed with six kids, two sets of twins, all ages seven and under. And I currently work 50 plus hours a week as a manager at a restaurant. My dream would be to make enough money from the podcast and coaching clients online to be able to support my family and allow me to spend more time with them. I listen to your podcast, many others as well as consume books on tape inspired by Zig Ziglar's automobile university philosophy. I really appreciate your show and your passion for the entrepreneurial spirit. If you were me, what would your next step be? All right, Nate, I'm going to, I'm going to send you, well, for one thing, remember what I talked about earlier about John Dumas, who started his podcast in September of last year. And at this point, is making what over $12,000 a month in sponsorship income. So is it possible to do a podcast? Yes. If you get an audience, now the reason, you know, we're able to get sponsors for podcasts is because we can show that we have a significant audience. So it has to be a podcast that people are listening to because that's, that's what it's going to be based on. Certainly you can do that. I'm going to send you a copy of wisdom meets passion, how to take your passion, which is obviously what you're talking about here coaching that you want to do a running coach and how to turn that into your income generator. I'm also going to print off a copy of the Venn diagram that shows the structure of my business. Now, the reason I'm going to do that is because you talk about coaching, doing a podcast, doing things online, maybe having some products. And I'm going to show you the model that I use where you aren't dependent on any one thing to create all of your income, but you can have some income from having sponsors for your podcast, some income from products that you sell, some income from the actual coaching that you do. And all of a sudden the compilation of all those gets pretty interesting. So I'll send you that model, the Venn diagram that I use in our business. Andy from Jacksonville, Florida says, Dan, my wife and I just launched our first Indigo campaign. Now listen to this. This is a interesting and important issue for you to understand if you're growing a business. I was wondering if you could give me just some tips on how to get this off the ground successfully. My wife has had a vision to start a vintage rental business and we're trying to raise funds to build our inventory. Most people don't know about this field, but most cities now have at least one vintage rental company that rents out vintage furniture, dishes, et cetera, for weddings, events, photo shoots. We see an opening in our area to start this business. We've been photographers for about seven years, so we're very familiar with the industry. My wife is also a stylist, so this would fit in with her skills as well. Our Indigo campaign is in vintage rentals. Thanks for all you do. All right, Andy, you're, I commend you for what you've done. Indiegogo is like Kickstarter, and there's a whole bunch of them out there that are called crowdfunding, where you put an idea out there, and there's some amazing success stories about people who have 
put ideas out there and raise money. Now, there's also a whole lot of people who have put ideas out there and haven't raised money. I mean, there's no secret about that at all. What you have to look at in, in your situation, you're talking about something that is very geographic specific. So you live in Jacksonville, Florida. That's where your business is going to be. It's not easily transportable, the value of your business. Okay. So we have to kind of start with that. That's a real red flag in terms of being a candidate for Indiegogo. When you put it up on Indiegogo and you say that you want to raise funds and you want to use the money to increase your inventory, uh, to get liability insurance, um, to build out a website that people can order from, transportation and storage cost, a year's worth of rent in a showroom. And see, all those things are for your benefit only. And here's the deal. With an Indiegogo campaign, in as much as they have to show it as a contribution, and that's really confusing for people. We did an Indiegogo project when we launched my latest book, Wisdom Eats Passion. And I had people contact me saying, well, you've done so much for me. You know, I just feel like I ought to make a contribution. You know, what would you suggest in terms of a, a reasonable contribution? Thought, oh my gosh, I cringe when people, I mean, we're not a nonprofit. We're not some, you know, struggling little ministry here where you need to feel guilty and give us, that wasn't it at all. It just lists as contribution because legally you aren't investing in a business and you aren't buying product. It has to be shown as that. But the bottom line is people contribute money because of what they're going to get. And that's where your campaign is lacking dramatically. The things that you tried to pull together as rewards for people just aren't compelling enough. And, and I see that you're struggling with that and I don't think it's going to work for you. But now if you, you can check out what we did there. I mean, we were on Indiegogo. We did use the same template that you did. You can just go to the search bar and put in wisdom meets passion and pull right up the campaign that we did. We put it up that we wanted to raise $4,800. Now we actually raised uh, 12,461. I'm looking at it here. So it was very successful in that. And we use that money to do our launch party. But if you go down through and see what people are getting, I mean, everybody who contributed anything got, you know, a copy of the book. They got multiple copies. They got the Ubuntu medallion that went with that. They got packages that included like special toffee we had made. Depending on the contribution, you got to come and Joanne and I would take you to dinner. People even uh, contributed at a level where they came and spent a night at the sanctuary so they were real tangible things that people were getting. That's what you have to do. Just yesterday, I contributed to a, an Indiegogo campaign, and it was Cooley Cooley. So if you put that in, you know, I'm not sure now that I think about it, if that was Kickstarter or Indiegogo, but Cooley Cooley, the superfood snack to nourish you in the world. Well, a little gal spent some time in the Peace Corps in Africa and realized there's a plant that grows there called moringa it's a plant it's real nutritional you can nutritious you can grind it up well she's started helping these ladies in west africa grow moringa they grind it up and they put other things like honey and so on and they make these really nutritious like little nutrition bars that you can get well i i think i put in fifty dollars on that 
Well, as a matter of fact, I did. Okay, $50, and I'm going to get a case of those, which is 12 bars and a packet of the Moringa seeds that I can plant and start growing the Moringa plant here in our property. So that's what I did. Now, do I think it's a cool cause that she's doing? And I, do I hope that she helps these ladies really be successful? Absolutely, I do. But would I have just given money as a donation? I don't know. I may have. I mean, I'm open to that. But in this case, I'm getting, because of my $50 contribution, I'm getting 12 bars and a packet of seeds. That's a pretty cool thing. It's going to be tough to do that in your situation. You're going to have to look for other ways to fund your startup because just hoping that people contribute because you're doing something fun is just not a strong enough pull. So sorry, that's not very encouraging, but that's pretty realistic. You just need to go in more traditional ways to bootstrap the vintage rental business. I think the business you're describing is really cool. I mean, I love that. I think it's got great potential. I think you're right on track, but I don't think this is a reasonable way to fund your startup. Travis from Wichita, Kansas. I'll try to keep my question short. A few podcasts ago, you mentioned that you couldn't have been a credible life coach at age 25 or even 35. I'm currently 24 years old. I love coaching, even casually. Lots of people my age that know me come to me for advice, but I haven't been able to make the leap to generating solid income. I feel that some of it may just be my failure to advertise effectively so far, but now your comment made me think it just isn't going to happen anytime soon. What are your thoughts on my situation? And if possible, what could I be doing to prepare myself to eventually realize my dream of being a coach? Travis, well, Travis, man, you can slap my hands on that. I mean, anytime I make a broad generalization like that, I'm going to get burned. I know. I do talk about being a life coach like I am a life coach now. And let me just kind of frame it as that. I could not have been a life coach as I am now when I was 25 or 35. No question about that because of the people that I attract, you know, attorneys, physicians, dentists, pastors, CEOs, executives, and so on. I mean, it just just wouldn't work really well. However, there's always exceptions. And I would love for you to be an exception at 24 years old, but you've already identified lots of people your age come to you for advice. I think that's a real key point. And I think that's what you ought to focus on. I don't think you should try to position yourself as somebody who's going to be a life coach for a 55 year old physician who's frustrated in what they're doing. I think that's going to be really difficult, but can you be a life coach at 44 for other in your Gen X, Gen Y who are struggling with having just graduated from college and not knowing what to do yet or being in college and you know they're already in the seventh year in college don't have a degree and don't know what to major in can you be a life coach for somebody like that yeah absolutely is there a big market there absolutely so if you're just focused on what i think is a realistic market can you be a coach yeah you can do that man i need to watch those broad generalizations that i talk about i think you'll now here's here's kind of an addendum to this, you become a great coach by coaching. Now, this is kind of a touchy issue because we're contacted by so many coaches here and we've got our Coaching with Excellence event coming up here May 
30th and 31st. It's now like, geez, I'd love to have you come to that. We'll, we'll really give you a truckload what you have to do to position yourself as a coach and be successful. And we do have people come to that who have varied backgrounds, people who are young, people who are a little more mature, people who are you know just starting out, people who have had years of experience in coaching or counseling. But you know we go through you know, how to be successful as a coach. But you don't have to go get a particular degree or certification to start coaching. Now, will getting those degrees or certification, the continued learning process, make you a better coach? Absolutely. And you don't want to negate that. You want to continue on that process. You want to be a continual learner. I certainly hope that I am a better coach today than I was 10 years ago, than I was three years ago. I've been coaching for 20 years, so I've been coaching people for a long time. I certainly hope that I'm a way better coach now than I was even just a couple years ago because of the constant learning and studying that I'm doing. But this kind of relates to our definition of success. It's success is the progressive realization of worthwhile goals. Now, when we define it as such, it's not a destination, it's a direction. But when we look at it as such, success is the progressive realization of worthwhile goals. You can be successful at any age. You can be successful immediately. So if you're a sophomore in high school, by that definition, the progressive realization of worthwhile goals, if you're doing that, you are successful. If you want to make $100,000 this year, and here we are in May, and you've made $50,000, by that definition, you're successful. So we don't have to wait to the end. If you choose to be a missionary in Haiti and help in a school down there and live on $8,000 a year, if that's your goal, then you are successful. Don't let anybody else superimpose their idea of what success is on you. So yeah, you can do it. Again, I, I apologize for making that broad swipe there, Travis, but uh, go ahead and be a coach. Just identify a realistic target audience and then become great at being a coach. I mean, I've got some really wild stories about young people being coaches. Um, don't have time to go into all those, but yeah, I've, I've seen it happen. I've seen some amazing stories about people who are very young, but very gifted at being a coach. And maybe you're going to be the next one of those. Well, let's kind of recap what we talked about today here. Also, I want to just remind you, we've got our Innovate event coming up. Only one more this year. That's in September and we've got some pretty incredible things that are going to happen here. Of course, Michael Hyatt will be here to speak. Chad Jeffers will be here. My wife, Joanne, and Dorsey McHugh, her friend, will be talking about how to use art to release your creativity. Scott Stearman, the internationally recognized sculptor, will be here to create in the two days of the event, a totally original 48 Days Eagle, which I'm so excited about. I can't sleep at night. But anyway, we've got that. We've got one more coaching with excellence event coming up. Now, the reason we've only got one more is because the event we've got in September is going to be closed to only people in our coaching mastery program. So if you're interested in coaching, you can come to the event we're having May 30th and 31st, but only the people who are in the mastery program will be attending in September because there we're going to take each person's business, break it down, get feedback, 
and work on that person's business specifically. Now we talked about the fact, and this was our quotation for the day coming from Reed Hoffman, founder of LinkedIn. The fastest way to change yourself is to hang out with people who are already the way you want to be. Another point we talked about passion is constant. Enthusiasm comes and goes. Well, here's another point we talked about. If all the jobs you've had have been crappy and all the people you meet are hateful and toxic, look in the mirror. You've just found the problem. And remember, success is a progressive realization of worthwhile goals. Thus, you can be successful at any age and you can be successful today. Well, this is an exciting journey we're on here. The opportunities are all around us. If we have eyes to see, if we have our reticular activator up, We'll see things other people don't see. Thanks for being part of this community where we are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, fulfilling, and profitable. Don't settle for less.